Welcome to the Premier League Forever Forest podcast. Hello and welcome to the Forever Forest podcast. Um, yes, here we are. It's been a little while. It feels like it's been a little while. Has it been a little while? I don't know. All I do know is Forest lost again. Uh, God, what, hold on, what year is this? What year? Is it 2020? Okay, just check in uh, for a friend. Uh, so yeah, with me today, you'll be really glad. For those of you who are friends, friends of uh, Lewis O'Brien, Jack Colback, um, Nicholas Sturgeon, uh, Dan White is back. Uh, he's been like gathering up things ready to say. So first of all, uh, direct from the USA. Dan, just say a quick hello. Don't go off yet. Hello. Hello. Uh, also, uh, the latest agent in the East Midlands area. Uh, she'll get you a fee for your boy. What if it's her boy? Double the fee. It's Lisa Fox. How's things, Lisa? Hey, all good. All good. Yeah, no, it's, it's nice to see you both. Um, so, yeah, since we last spoke and did our thing, my dad's been to see Forrest in the top flight before me. He went to Fulham. Uh, at home and that's what we're going to talk about really so uh yeah let's start with uh you then dan forest lost at home to fulham now correct me if i'm wrong but for me on paper which is not played on bournemouth and fulham two of the teams we come up with they're the ones at home we should be winning we fucking lost three two again after being ahead thoughts can I can I go off on a rant? Is now a good time. Oh, what? Do you want a, is it a Fulham-based <laughs> rant or is it? it, it is, no, it is a Fulham. Well, it's based around Fulham, but I'll get it all out. Do one of them first, and we'll save the big Greek one to later on. <laughs> there is no big Greek one, I don't think, oh, but, yeah. um, for the purpose of this. Um, caveat this with: I am very disappointed that we lost to both Bournemouth and Fulham, and I'm very disappointed we gave up leads, and I don't think that should be happening at home. I want to really kind of stress a point around compartmentalizing disappointment to games and not having the whole house of cards collapse uh, based on a couple of things. So I think, first of all, people are, are very happy to pick up patterns and say, well, that's two games we've given up leads. It's four games that we've lost out of the last five, et cetera, et cetera, whatever it is. Um, but ultimately, we're going to lose a lot of games this season, probably more than half of them. Yeah. And Yes, they are teams round at the bottom, but just some stuff that I've bashed on about on Twitter and WhatsApp this week. Yes, Bournemouth and Fulham, you could class as the weaker teams on paper going into the season. Um, Bournemouth, especially given where the bookies had them and everything else. So try and keep that objective in terms of, you know, their squad worth and the, the, what the bookies thought of them. But that all said, we're not great. <laughs> no. I don't, this isn't a team that's supposed to finish in eighth place, lo losing to a team that's 20th. Um, you know, and doesn't have any Premier League experience. I looked at a couple more stats today and depending on who you listen to and obviously everyone's got an opinion and, and none of the, the, the money stuff is, you know, known absolutely. Our squad is something like on average the, between the 19th and 17th most valuable squad in the Premier League, depending on who you listen to, total average per player, whatever you want to do. Well, even with the big, even with the 45 million stuff, it's still... Even with all of that, our squad is worth something like 180 million. And Bournemouth is like 175 and then all the other teams, Brighton starts at 220 and then you go up to the billions with the top right. teams and everything else. We're one of the lowest valued squads with everything we've spent. We're one of the lowest paid squads. We're one of the lowest value per player. We've got a lot of players, so it's less. It's under 10 million per player. We've also not played, played together. So if you just, if an alien landed today, 
and you ex- took the time to explain the rules of football and why it's all happening in the first place, but you got them up to speed. And then you got into the fact of there's 20 teams. This team is probably in the bottom three by value and salary is favourites to be in the bottom three with most bookies. And the team was only built three games into the season. So some of the players have only lived in the city, if at all, for three weeks. Yeah. Right. What would your expectations be at this stage? If anyone's saying Europa League, they should leave yeah, now. Go with the aliens. Point, right? Get back on the ship with the aliens. Yeah, right. So I'm not saying we should be happy with losing to Fulham and Bournemouth. I'm not saying that at all. What I'm trying to get at is this is the kind of expected disappointment we will have more often than not through the season in losing games. And I think Lisa made the point when we had a chat earlier in the week, we will lose some games that we think we should have won. And we will probably win some games we think we should have lost or on mm. paper should have lost. And that's why we play a whole season. And that's why you don't go talking about sacking managers and writing players off after seven games in the season. Have your opinions all you want. But if you're making a judgment call on the ability of our players or our manager to be good in the Premier League after seven games, um, you've got too much time on your hands. Because quite honestly... There will be players who aren't good enough in the squad and Cooper might not be the right person to keep us up. I have no idea how you come into that conclusion after seven games when we've been playing the likes of Man City, Tottenham, etc. I'm gutted we've lost the last two games and it probably puts us a few points behind the eight ball in terms of catching up with others. But the world isn't ending. And my concern is as a fan base, if we think that way, then one, we're not giving them support anyway. And two is just further ammunition for anyone else that does have the ability to make that decision to act rashly. And finally, I'll say, I think last year, we basically got lucky to a degree on the whole kind of monkeys and typewriters writing the works of Shakespeare that we found Steve Cooper, a monkey who was able to write all of Shakespeare by himself on one typewriter. We've now bought him a brand new shiny typewriter and we're asking him to do it again. And he's getting used to that. He's made a couple of spelling mistakes. And now, you know, some people are saying, well, let's just find another monkey because they'll be able to write the Shakespeare that Steve Cooper's, you know, made a few a few mistakes on early doors. So I just find the whole thing preposterous that people are even talking about massive change. I can completely understand people wanting to, you know, vent about the games, um, but we need to keep it in context. And, you know, these things will become clear further down the season. And I honestly don't think what, you know, what else are we going to do at this stage of the season and have some faith? If you're, if you're out of that at game seven, then there's no hope. Well, before I bring you in, Lisa, in, in that analogy and what we're looking at and that metaphor, there was also somebody who purchased some of the typewriters and decided that was the monkey to go for. I think as well, you would potentially not have around if you got rid of certain monkeys and things like that. You've also got to look at the person who owns the house or the monkey is doing his typewriting and he might decide he just doesn't want a monkey anymore. And these are worrying things. So Lisa, we can talk about monkeys if you want. You can talk for all I give a shit. Fucking ferrets, otters, whatever you want. In your own metaphor, how, what do you think about what Dan White just had to say? I'm just in awe of what Dan said. Um, but I, I, I've just got to pick up on the fact that you, yeah, he, he, he chose the seven-game analogy, didn't he? Now, after seven games mm-hmm. last season, we were bottom of the league with one point, And we made the change. I am not in the let's make a change category by any way, shape or form. Um, I'm pissed off about the results of the last two games for possibly slightly different reasons to you guys. Um, Because we we played against West Ham. We got some good points out of there. Maybe we shouldn't have got the points. We played really, really well against Everton and picked up a good point, should have possibly had the three. 
And Spurs, I felt we were slightly unlucky to get nothing out of the game, but I also felt they allowed us to play. And had we got back into the game, they'd have just stepped it up a little bit more. Um, so that's my perspective on the points that we've picked up so far and why I'm pissed off because we have conceded really silly goals. Um, but our group chat on Friday um, was literally we're not good enough, we're not doing this, we're not doing that, we're not doing the other, and we are lucky to be ahead at half-time. So for us to then lose the game wasn't, I I would say, to add, add all, all ten, uh, sense and purposes, wasn't a surprise because Fulham have a squad that has been in in the Premiership, as have, as have Bournemouth, and we are still learning, and unfortunately... There are no, there's no room for error in the Premiership, as we saw against Man City. You know, we we took our free kick and it, it resulted in a goal for them. Um, so we have to keep perspective um, that we knew that it was going to be difficult. We know that we've got a, a brand new squad who are still learning each other's names. And Charlie's just played for a new team. He got signed up on Thursday night, Friday. Charlie is Lisa's son. Trained for, those, together. for those of you who don't know who Charlie is, that's, uh, it's not Charlie McBartland, it's Lisa's son. Continue, Lisa, sorry. They haven't even trained together. And they went out on Saturday for 40 minutes. They did really, really well and lost 5-0. And that is perspective that you have to give them time to gel. And, and I feel a little bit sorry for Coops because I think if he, if he was to say my best 11 is near Carty would be in there Mangala would be in there um and that they both picked up unfortunate injuries at a time that the games that we were playing in um they both showed really good qualities so we're back to the old scapegoats as usual um some of it is deserved I feel you know Yates he didn't have his best game on Friday you know I'm his biggest advocate advocate um uh, but I also felt that there were other players that went missing that deserved a lot more shit than he did and had had they been doing their job he wouldn't have had to be doing two people's jobs so um yeah, what, I think, what is it what is a froiler by the way what is a froiler i don't know i I'm really not, don't know you know if you've um, been pod long enough i'm not trying to ever pick on anyone directly with it unless you're one of those morons on twitter but it's kind of like that's the perfect example right where we're judging players like froiler on their first couple of games. Now, you could say that's absolutely fine because we did the same with Bong and it turned out to be largely correct, right? So mm. there is something to be said for that. And like the seven-game analogy, you can say, well, you know, you look back beyond that and Cooper had an amazing season last year and Hewton had a year of meh before that. So that kind of judges it. I think we've got to give people the time to say, I'm not even sure half these players know exactly what they're supposed to be doing yet because they haven't played with everyone around them. And as you say, Lisa, you might have Nia Carte in there, you might have Mangala in there, and suddenly you've got Yates or Froiler or someone playing with a, a two wing-backs they've only played with for a month, yeah. central defensive partnership they don't know. The, the so problem... this is a team game, right? It, it, you Individuals' performances are based on how they interact with the team around them. We've got a brand new team, so it's very difficult. I think it... Maybe the disappointment for me is, out of all the players we've signed, you might have hoped that you might catch lightning in a bottle on a couple of them, like Mangala, where they just stand out. And maybe Foyler was built up to be that, right? He was built up to be like, you're getting this guy Champions League experience. And like everything this season, expectation has almost done the damage for us because we're expecting this guy to come straight out minute one of the first game and 
and look a class above and that didn't hasn't happened yet i'm still hoping that it it gets there but i think i think the problem with that is that we are comparing Froiler, Froiler, whatever his name is um to lewis o'brien who hadn't actually put a foot wrong and hasn't deserved to be dropped so if you are comparing you know why has he come in 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 his place i don't get it if it had been if yates had been dropped for him it might have been a different story um because ultimately Lewis O'Brien came on for 20 minutes on Friday and to all intents and purposes got man of the match so that kind of speaks volumes or tells you how shit everybody else was because he was on the pitch for 20 minutes um and yes there were some um ironic catcalls and and noises made from the crowd when he came on and then he scored a goal and of course that doesn't help the situation to some degree because um, it kind of says, well, why did why wasn't it on in the first place? Um, everyone's got a, a, a difference of opinion. That's kind of what makes the world go round. Ultimately, we're we're all on the same page, aren't we? We we we're just want the, the team to, to finish seventeenth. Another thing, here, Dan. You know, you mentioned like the wages and the value and stuff. It's like you you know, it's it's uh, only eighteen years since Brian Clough passed away uh, today when we're recording this and. If ever there was a man who could show you, I know he signed a million pound player that you don't always have to, it doesn't always about what you pay him and what they're worth because experience, I think, I think it was when he was at Derby, he signed, he signed, signed Mackay, was it? Dave Mackay brought in, he was like really old and kind of experienced and hates bring up the sheep on our podcast, but it's not always, I, I completely understand where you're coming from at that point. I'm not disagreeing with it, but I would argue that Forrest haven't signed a lot of Premier League experience either, which is also probably costing them. Yeah, there she goes. He's just got a cloth top on. Um, yeah. So, you know, I didn't even think of the relevance of that today. Well, no, there you go. So this is Forest have got that as well, I think, Dan. There's not a lot of Premier League experience there. Absolutely, and I, and I agree. I think that the, the one thing I'll say on the money is the reason I, I talk about the money is, again, you, you know, you've got to try and outperform what your squad's worth. That's what a manager's for, because otherwise you might as well just rank the teams in order of who's got the most valuable players and hand out the trophies. But the reason I mention it is because one of the things that has set unrealistic expectations and you see on Twitter and social media is, ah, yeah, but you can't go around spending 150 million and then be satisfied losing against Bournemouth. It's like, well, we're not satisfied losing against Bournemouth, but we've also got to understand that $150 million is peanuts in this league. So we can talk about it all day long, but it basically has still only bought us a squad that will be lucky to avoid relegation. It's not like 150 million guarantees you a top 10 spot anymore. Um, so that's the point. I totally agree with Lisa on the, on the on the midfield point as well, which is the one thing I don't understand over the last couple of games, which seems to be a unanimous opinion among supporters, is why O'Brien hasn't started when he's looked good. And when he's come on, he's also looked good. So for me, that's the, that's the odd thing, whether there's a niggle, whether there's something we're not hearing, whether it's Cooper trying to work things out. No idea. But you'd think if, if all things are as they look, O'Brien should be should be starting. Well, what's that? Why, why do you think that is? Do, uh, do you... We've had this conversation, uh, maybe it was on this or us on the group, can't remember. Wait, one thing I have to keep trying to remind people is that, that Steve Cooper's is his fourth season, isn't it, as a manager properly? And he's had some, you know, unfortunately, he's probably made a rod for his own bat by being fucking incredible wherever he's been, you know, with Swansea doing well, absolute miracle with us. And I hate, I'm trying to go as far into the season as possible before I say yet again, we went up by mistake, you know, because it, I keep feeling it week by week a little bit you know, we said about the structure and how things are and all the stuff for us had to get together off the pitch as well as on the pitch, right? But, you know, it's a learning curve for him as well. And I think Forrest is going to have to make the decision here where they go, this man created, you know, like you said with the typewriter thing, created the works of Shakespeare as a monkey on a typewriter, okay? Um, 
And now do you just give up on that and start again? Which let's have a look at the track record hasn't really worked. Okay. It really hasn't, you know, I mean, some clubs actually, I know um, my other half was saying, oh, it's that Tuchel. And I thought she'd be like, oh, okay. And she's like, it's just what Chelsea seem to do. And it seems to kind of work. But we're talking about a very different beast there, aren't we, with Chelsea to what Forest are in terms of the infrastructure, the players already in position, things like that. The internationals have got the experience they've got. They can probably afford to get Johnny Bobbins in and they might be able to have a good, good go. In fact, I think Potter's perfect for what they kind of probably need. Forest aren't, they don't have that luxury. Because like you said, Dan, the infrastructure and how the playing staff are is not, is not really equipped to do that you could bring in Pochettino you could bring in you know bloody Brian Clough and you've got a different scenario so you've got to decide if they go this man is staying with us even if we go down a bit like Manuel Neuer I mentioned this years ago Germany said to Neuer very early doors he will be our number one whatever happens whatever mistakes he makes we're going to back this kid unless he goes absolutely awful and starts throwing the ball in the net they gave him a kind of a public backing and said we believe in him now, no team's going to do that with a manager and say he will stay for three years because it's just not the way the game works but I think Forrest would do a lot worse. And I mean, what, what would have to happen from Steve Cooper and his team, Dan, as an inexperienced manager, not in the Premier League, you know, quite inexperienced in general. What do you think we would have to happen for him to absolutely negate me saying that where the club would actually go? We, we know there's a lot of the conversations with this, right? But for you, would you be happy even if they went down that he stayed? What would have to happen for that not to be the case? I think it's about how we go about the season, to be honest. So, Cooper's not managed in the Premier League. Most of our players haven't played in the Premier League. I, again, I don't want this to come across as making excuses for us inevitably going down. That's not what I'm getting at here, but it's all about expectation. I would like to see improvement. So if we get to the end of the season and we are still doing the same things we've done against Fulham and Bournemouth, or even if we're doing that after you know three, four, five more games, um, a bit like the Hewton thing, where everyone sat there, seemingly in the ground, everyone has the same opinion apart from the manager. Last year, everyone had the same opinion as the manager. Now a few, and I think it's just a vocal minority, are starting to say, oh, well, that's not right. This isn't right. That's not right. I think you've got to see continuous improvement. And from what Cooper says and what he does, I see that at the moment. Ultimately, it's all about the results. So you've got to at least give it a go. So I think it's partly down to how you manage to get through the season and partly where you finish. Um, but I haven't seen anything so far that will tell me he is not the right person to try and do this. More to the point, it's all well and good saying, make a change or we've got to do something different. It's a lot harder to actually say what that change is going to be and why it's better. So it's very easy for people to sit there and go, what we're doing now isn't right. Okay, well, tell us what is right then and tell us what's better than this. And I just feel that it would be a guessing game at this point. And as you say, I think we've had 10 managers since 2017. And you could argue we've got one of those appointments right, maybe two, depending on how you judge Sabri or how you, how you judge Karanka. Um, so out of those 10 managers, either we've got a one in 10 record or we're not very good at getting good managers to work well at our club. <laughs> one of those two things is true. At least and I don't, I don't trust we'll get Cooper Mark too straight after, put it that oh, way, based on our reputation. Does any club have that, Lisa? I mean, if you look, look at success and how many clubs actually get success or what success is to them. For us, it was very clearly get out of that chuffing league. If you're Sheffield Wednesday and you're looking at, you know, right now it's Darren Moore, League One, get us out of there. What actually is a successful manager in terms of what it is? Or is this now how football is that you just have to churn and churn? Because no one stays with the manager. You know, if you look at the sacking uh, odds, Klopp, I'm surprised, isn't, you know, he's like fourth bottom because there's, there's character involved. There's how the players are, the cycles of teams, isn't there? Like some could argue Liverpool aren't as strong as they were, things like that. Uh, I think Pep is like the bottom one to like, you know, he'll go when he wants to go kind of thing. Is that modern football that you kind of churn or, you know, if Forrest built something a bit special with Cooper there that, I mean, I can't believe anyone would get on the back, although he's not beyond 
the critique because he can't be because as I think one of the critiques from uh, Friday night was that Forrest looked timid even at a goal up we've looked timid we didn't look like we were going to go right let's get this fucking fortress going and let's go at them. I'm hearing that the crowd by all accounts weren't what they normally were there was very quiet there wasn't it wasn't Sheffield United is always going to be the barometer isn't it of like what you have to be like and what it is do you think it is a mix of that? Are the fans feeling that nerves as well, that they're a bit off with it? I'm not calling fans for someone wants to start throwing a mango or a typewriter at me. But, you know, Lisa, how do, how do you see it really in terms of uh, whatever the question was I started with? <laughs> uh, two questions, I believe. So let's, let's talk about the fans first. I mean, obviously, first game back in the Premiership, West Ham, the fans were absolutely phenomenal. The noise levels were Sheffield United-esque. Um, Spurs... Was, was quite similar to be fair I don't know whether um a thousand less in the crowd has made a little bit of difference or whether it's different faces that are managing to get tickets but for some reason Bournemouth and Fulham the atmosphere has just not been the same um Fulham I think was a little bit difficult because obviously there was all the there's stuff going on with with regard to celebrating the Queen and everything else and that divided opinion anyway um which Every, each to their own um and the, it was just a bit weird um but each time they scored the fans were still with them the fans were still behind them the fans still lifted um so I don't think that's it but what it is I can't quite put my finger on um and I don't know whether you know there's been too much of a break between games um I think you know playing Bournemouth expecting to get points um and not then led us to the next game being cancelled and then playing Fulham. And it was trepidation because it was like, oh, well, well, we know what happened against Bournemouth and we we thought we'd get something out of it. And then exactly the same thing happened. Um, Lisa, but- can I interrupt me really briefly? Was Bournemouth, because I'm going to be honest, put my hand in the air, 2-0 up, home to Bournemouth. I was sorting out a paddling pool outside and I was going, yeah, that's it, 2-0 up. There we go. I was watching it on my phone, but I was going, yeah, that's it, 2-0 against Bournemouth. Here we go. It's going to be a win. This is it. This is where Forest season starts easing in. Do you think there's a part of that that is somehow Fulham and Bournemouth for coming up with us are not the glamour of your bad about about even your you know Southampton's to a point? Do you think Forest are only going to get up for games where they think it's the big guns now? Maybe. Um, I, I mean, personally, I wasn't up for it because because I wasn't very well as 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 was highlighted with me missing the last pod because I spent two days at hospital. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was it was just I think two 0 up. I was fuming. I think a lot of people after that game were, were fuming. Friday, it was a little bit more expected that having had the first half, Fulham were going to come out and just be better. Um, and Forrest couldn't answer it. So that was that. Was that. Um, with regard to the managerial merry-go-round, um, Forrest have got to learn. Forrest have got to learn quickly. Cooper's got to learn quickly, and so have the players. Um, I hope that there isn't a a change too quickly because I think it will just unsettle the players and they're unsettled enough because they've only been together for a month. Um, and we have got players that hundred percent are Cooper's players. And if those ones are unsettled, it does concern me because we've spent a lot of money. Just, just a quick comment on the crowd. Cause I, I, I totally agree. Um, isn't the crowd thing. And again, this isn't, I hope none of this conversation is coming across as kind of, you know, singling that out as anything, but isn't that just human nature? That basically, like the Sheffield United game, there was a lot on that, and suddenly people realised that they there was a there was a personal like um, 
something to be gained out of that because it was a trip to Wembley on the lines and it really meant something. And then with West Ham, it was the first Premier League game. And then with Tottenham, it's a big team with big stars and there's a reason to get motivated. When you're going back to the likes of Bournemouth and Fulham, no disrespect, but they literally did come up with us and we played them last year. Um, I can completely understand that the atmosphere isn't as, as raucous. The thing that I, I struggle with is the idea then, again, expectation. We, I don't think we should see ourselves as this fan base that acts as the 12th man when or when we're actually not, right? I think like most fan bases, we react to what's happening. And the last two games, <laughs> the crowd reacted to kind of what had happened. And that's completely understandable. Um, but there are fan bases in the world and there's you know less of them than there are teams by quite a way that don't respond like that that are consistently behind their team regardless of how they're playing and that's their culture and their style and it, there's no shame to say we're probably not one of those right with if this if we lose the next eight games and we get a manager in that people don't like it'll probably be easy to get tickets again which which is quite a damning indictment in a way right because that shows you how quickly things change and, that, and again that's to human nature that's not a dig at anyone I would, I would be in the same boat like Freep said around you know going oh well we beat Bournemouth that's game over and not being too excited about it if that but was even, at, even at six nil down against Man City we were still loud we were and still again it's expectation right it's kind of expectation because you going into it you expected to get a hammering maybe some people would hope it would maybe be two some people were maybe worrying it was going to be double figures because Bournemouth had lost by nine to Liverpool but there's an expectation and if there's enough of the crowd in a condensed away end that are are happy with the situation that will lift everything when you've got 30,000 people and you're losing to a team that you were playing against last year and you've just spent 150 million regardless of all the facts in the world about that money and everything else it's not going to sit well with anyone um, and I can completely understand that and that's reason more than anything to try and move on from that because We've got to move on from the money. We've got to move on from the expectations. And we've got to realise that you need basically a certain amount of points to stay up this year. We'll be lucky to get them. And we should be celebrating any point we get at this point um, to, to kind of get us back on the road. I think there's got to be two expectations there, though, hasn't there? You've got, you've got the expectation of we're not going to win every game. We're not going to pick up points every game and we're not going to play pretty football every game. Um, so we have, like you say, we have got to get over that and get as many points on the board. And sometimes it's not going to be pretty. Um, the other side of it is, I think, unfortunately, we had such a bond with our players last season. Um, and, it, and it almost goes back to um, Sabri and Hewton and um, lockdown where we weren't able to go and we lost any sense of connectivity with the team whatsoever, that at the moment there's a disconnect because there's so many new faces and we don't know who's going to play. And we've not seen them play because they've not played in the leagues that we we are used to watching. Um, so we've got to give them the benefit of the doubt. We've got to give Coops the benefit of the doubt. We've got to give Dane and the team behind the scenes benefit of the doubt, that they know what they're doing. They knew what they needed. And unfortunately, <laughs> you know, Davis, Zinkenagel, uh, Jed, uh, Samba to some degree, Jimmy, weren't it? And we've got to just get behind the players that we've got now and show them why they signed for Nottingham Forest because we are still a big club. Um, we just need to prove it. 
I mean, I still firmly believe that. Oh, uh, by the way, if anyone heard any tipping and tapping in the background, that was me just updating the old uh, Zoom. So we're now on limited time because we were using a different account. There you go. That's what we do for the supporters and the fans out there. We pay for more Zoom. Uh, so, yeah, no. And also, I, can you imagine if, if last, last season's team played this season's team as it stands, right? On Unity, you'd probably support back last season's to do them because they knew each other they knew their jobs and it was a different thing on outright skill like Dan's saying and what the ability they've had I mean Henderson over Sam but yeah do you know what I would I would but if you look at the left back you look at a load of like people wanted him at City and God knows what the level of what he is I think you would I mean Spence and Necker Williams we could go through the whole thing as a whole but it would either depress us or um, I don't, it's not the podcast where we're going through the it's now the time to say different. would you want last season's Jono or this season's Jono well, I, I think uh, this season, just so we make sure we never get David Johnson on, I think he's been fucking shocking. And uh, I'll quite happily say it. I don't care because he's a ghost and he disappears. Um, and he did last season as well, but he also scored a hell of a lot of goals. And just, I'll say it for the final time. If Brennan Johnson has time to think, it's going to end badly. If he's on instinct, goal. That's what I say. Um, anyway, Dan, do you fancy uh, randomly having a, one of those controversial opinions that we uh, we so readily love on this? Uh, or if you, do you feel like you've just had enough of I them? I think right you've now? just done it for us. I'm distancing myself from that opinion. But um, this, this thing is, that, yeah, whenever anyone speaks in this podcast, they don't speak for all of us. But all right, OK, let's play that game. Tell me why I'm wrong, Dan, this season. And Lisa. No, Lisa's there sitting in the darkness laughing. What? You don't agree with you don't agree that he's been great this year. I think I think the same is true. And I, I, I think I've voiced this opinion. Fucking get good strike, good strikers who score a lot of goals can afford to not do much for 80 minutes of the game. Their job is to do it for 10 minutes of the game, right? Or five minutes or get a couple of goals. And Johnson was great at that last year. If we didn't have him when we lost Graben, we would have been in big trouble. We didn't have the goals coming from anywhere else. So I'll apply the same logic to that as I have done to Cooper or to any of the other players from last year or the players we brought in, which is he has played less than seven Premier League games Mm -hmm. and he has been playing in some of those games away at Manchester City where I'm not sure any of our forward players touch the ball more than five times so you can probably judge him on maybe three to four games this year and he's what he scored two uh yeah yeah so I'm you're right right. so so there's a point where I go it but again this all comes down it's like the money thing it comes back down to expectation if you're expecting Forrest to try and get into the top 12 and you're expecting Brennan Johnson to score 20 in the Premier League this year, you're going to be disappointed in both the player and the club, right? But that's not what we're after. If Brennan Johnson gets six or seven goals and three or four assists and we finish 17th, I will say that's a good first Premier League season. And at the moment, I don't have enough kind of information to go on to say that he's not going to do that at this point. Uh, So so we'll see on that one. But I I do take your point, which is a, a certain type of player, which is the games he doesn't get a goal or an assist can come across as what did he do for us? But that's kind of the point of judging him over the year rather than game by game. So Lisa, seven games in, as we keep saying, and you drop your captain. Thoughts? I'm not sitting on that perch on my own. I think he, well, he had to do something. And it's been quite clear over the first seven games that that championship back three hasn't worked. He's already, he's, he's already dropped cookie. Um, and came back in on, on Friday night, um, whether it was a, a confidence thing, whether he felt that Worrell needed just to be able to sit and, and watch rather than be involved. Um, I know we've spoken before about the captain's armband, um, whether that is something that is impacting his game because he's not able to concentrate on his own game rather than on 
his captain's duties. Um, but I mean, we, we, we are struggling. Um, and for me, we're struggling with pace and we need somebody quick. Um, and I don't know whether, I mean, Nia Carty, I think he's shown, he's shown he can do it. Um, he's, he's fast enough. Unfortunately, he's injured at the minute. Canate, um, when he played, I, I don't, I don't even know why he wasn't playing on, on Friday. You know, that was just like, where, where's he? Um, because he played really, really well the week before. Um, so I, I, I don't know. There's, there's just, you know. How, how was Bolly? It is what it is. Bolly right? Bolly player right? Um, we got told he was a big, strong man. We needed to keep Mitrovic. He was, but he's not quick either. So, and you know, it's, it, 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 it's tough because we we seem to have a lot of central defenders that are very, very similar in what they are good at. Um, and I know that there has been, I mean, we've, we've talked about Brennan being a scapegoat. We've talked about Yatesy and Worrell. Um, the, the other person, I mean, is, is Cookie and the fact that, People on our, on my timeline, at least, have said, you know, he wasn't good enough for Bournemouth in the Premiership. So why would he be good enough for the Premiership? In the Championship. So this is, I'm not going to get a, you know, right, as I've said a million times, if anyone's putting on that red shirt, I will get behind him. But I, I equally, if we pay our money or we put in the time to watch him, we are allowed to say good and bad, because often this opinions like ourselves, we've all got one. And often you curl towards the one that you, oh, he says what I think. Okay, I agree. Oh, and we're all supporting this right wing agenda. Oh, we're all must be right. Are we the bad guys? It's that, that old classic thing, isn't it? Right. Um, and we all have those opinions. And I, I think Steve Cook was absolutely, you know, massively important for us getting promoted last year. I think the experience, as we mentioned earlier, in that championship in particular, was absolutely invaluable. Uh, I also, I also have seen. Oh, this year. And I'm not trying to knock him for it. I just think it's. He's not looking, you know, if Bournemouth let him go in the championship to us. That's a worry to me. The the issue for me, I mean, if if we di- dissect it completely, I looked at, I mean, that for that 20 minutes where Gibbs White came on against Everton yeah, and you've got Jesse on the pitch and you've got Brennan on the pitch. I was so excited about the three of them together because you could see what they will do. Hmm. Um, I think Teo has potentially proven a few people wrong. He's still... A little bit heavy on the ball for me, but he's getting in the right positions. As but for what me, we aren't playing surname? attacking enough in the middle. What's we are not. What what? What's his surname? I love how Lisa still calls him Teo because she can't say a one of you. Yeah, I agree. A one of you is going to be one of those uh, medium strikers, I think, for us. He's not going to be a Collie Moore. And again, look what I'm saying there, Dan. I'm no, saying, but if you're, if you're criticising Brennan on having two goals, our out-and-out striker number nine has also got two goals. Oh, so... I, I just think it's a bit... I, I guess in some weird ways, the way I'm doing it is kind of... It's it's temporary my own expectations. Because it's... Look, let's let's get this right. Unless you are some sort of real sadomasochist, you want Nottingham Forest to do well. We all do. Whether you're somebody who's pushed you in the bloody the trend end and you think he's a bit of a knob, or somebody who wears the same trainers as you and you think you're all right. We all want the same thing. We all want them to do well. We all wanted that dream of what happened last year. We also got given an absolute bolt in the arm of absolute hallucinogenic craziness, which was promotion last year from nowhere, right? And on the back of that, which was a bit like, hold on, is this happening? No, it can't be happening. It's Forest. Hold on, it is happening. Oh my God, we could go up automatic. Fuck me, we're at Wembley. Dan's falling over, hurting himself. We've got to promote fucking hell in the Premier League. And now we're having to accept that we're going to get some absolute lickings for another nine months and it is a bit of a head fuck i completely get it it's like you've just been eating caviar and all this wonderful stuff and now you're going to what's it for a bit for, you know i get that it's a difficult ride in lots of ways and it's very easy i've heard myself doing it going oh this is shit 
And I'm thinking, do not become that Mardi bum. Do not be going, we're losing now, so I don't like it. Because we have all between us, I don't care if you're 15 years old or if you're 50, we've all seen our fair share of the losses. We're just seeing them again, but in a slightly more big spotlight. You know, that's all we're doing, realistically. And it's not... We've got to stay big. And there's not a number on it, right? But I just find seven games in... Well, 11 points, Dan, is the number. Well, yeah, but numbers on... So, I by no means, again want to make this crystal clear people can have whatever opinions they like and they can perform them on whatever they've seen and they can have whatever expectations they like if we're 20 games into the season and we're on eight points and we're clearly getting relegated and we've done like a Norwich whereby you just cut adrift you know might you might win some more games once the pressure's off and whatever but you're clearly going down uh, maybe you've changed your manager maybe you haven't clearly then there's enough information to make very clear opinions on okay this guy wasn't up for it Yates isn't a Premier League player O'Brien was our best midfielder we should have played him every week I cannot understand on less than 10 hours of football against teams that we we are you know worth um, our salt against if you disregard the, the Man City game nine hours worth of football with a team that's been thrown together to go, go back and look at the footage on the Forest website of our pre-season tour and see how many players you recognise there that are currently in our squad, right? We haven't even had a pre-season with this squad, right? Um, we've got Lyle Taylor and Cafu and Joe Lolly and people like that, none of which are, are around. So we have to, you just have to give them an opportunity. And that opportunity and the time, however long it is, if it's 10 games, if it's 15, there's going to be disappointment within that. And you've just got to get over it and get to the next one. And then if you sat there after 15 games and nothing's changed, you know, Brian's still on the bench and we're playing a back three that's too slow and we're getting beaten after going up at half time. I think that's fair. But for me, it's just still too early to jump to that point that something fundamental has to change rather than tweaking. So Lisa, the battle, the, I think for me, and I'm sure you probably agree with this, Dan, if you don't, you'll let me know. This is really because it's been Fulham and Bournemouth at home. Because like you said, Man City, Tottenham, some of those ones, and look how they're doing in the league. This is because we've lost at home after being in the lead to Fulham and Bournemouth. That's what's caused most of the craziness, I believe. Yeah, I, th- I think it's it's the fact that we were comfortable against Bournemouth um, and we were winning and didn't do enough to protect the ball. Um, and I think it was more about the manner in the fact that they scored three goals in six minutes. Let's not make any bones about it. Yeah. That was shit. Um, and... <laughs> I want that one quoted. <laughs> That was shit. Um, And to make matters worse, I was at the wedding of two good good friends of ours. They got married at one o'clock. I left the wedding, went to the game in my wedding attire and um, went back to the the wedding afterwards and had everybody who were all pretty much Notts County fans and one Leicester fan and they're even more... They're all 95 years old. It must have been a boy. They're all pies. They're all pies and they all took the piss. And then I got my own back on Saturday because they lost too. So I felt better for them. You look look remarkable at that way. Not not that you normally do. And just to throw it in there as well, I was driving up to Skeg with a two-year-old asleep in the back once she started mumbling about Iggle Piggle. And when the goal started rolling in, Natalie's half asleep, I'm going... I can't swear because I don't want that. I don't want uh, you know Clementine to learn fuck ahead of poodle or whatever it might be. So I was going, and there's another goal. And he's going, fucking hell. I was just like going mental in the car. I, do you know what, Dan? A good point you made here because we were saying it's very much about how fans are. And you know, you said if you know you need to get, I think it was the Dan White quote, if you think this is what it should be after seven games, you should get on a fucking UFO. I think that's what he said. I'll paraphrase. Uh, but uh, at the same time, 
the players have got a responsibility with this, right? If you've been tuning up against Bournemouth, I mean, obviously they ultimately have the ultimate responsibility and you, you're winning against Fulham, you've lost both those games, especially the way the goals have run in, they're going to lose the crowd. And manager like Tuchel apparently has gone from Chelsea because he lost the dressing room. These things happen a lot. It's a, I fucking hate those phrases, but it's what it is. They've got a massive responsibility to keep that crowd on side as well. Absolutely. So let, let, let's not get this the wrong way around. People talk about it and Cooper's interviewed about it and they, Forrest have made a point over the last few weeks in the PR of talking about it in terms of, you know, we really need the crowd. There are 12 men and everything else. I think it's absolutely fine to understand that the football comes first. We're paying for it. We're watching it. And there's an expectation as to what happens. And when that expectation isn't met, then, you know, the crowd will react accordingly. There are, as I say, there are some fan bases who can get around that and have a, a different way of doing it, but that's the exception rather than the rule. And I'm not asking everyone to be happy clappers for 38 or 38 games of the season when we're getting smashed every week. So that's that. That's not the point. I think the thing is, you've got to see players putting effort in and you've got to see when things aren't going right that the manager is thinking about changing and he's trying to learn and after seven games, one thing that I haven't heard is that players aren't trying, no. right? So it's not like we've had in the past where it's, oh, no one's playing for Houghton or this player just isn't putting the effort in or we've bought someone who's just here and doesn't really care. I can't really fault any player this season so far for not putting the effort in. And I can't fault Cooper for not trying to make certain changes. Has he made it, got everything right? Absolutely not. Would we say, as we've said, O'Brien should have played potentially, but we don't know the, the reasons, the whys and what fors. But I think everyone is trying their hardest to get this to work. And if everyone's trying their hardest to get it to work, I think there is a, some minor responsibility on the crowd to acknowledge that at least, even if it's not going perfectly. I also understand fundamentally when you give up three goals in six minutes, to quote Lisa Fox, let's make no bones about it. That was shit. And yeah. it should it should be treated as such by the crowd. And I'm sure all the players. So there's a, a, one last thing. There's an NFL player this week who came out. He's the quarterback of yes. the Chicago Bears. And he came out and he was asked in a press conference along the lines of a question. The fans were really disappointed. What do you think? And he said, well, the players are a lot more disappointed than fans. I can tell you that because the fans haven't had to put all the work in to try and win this game this week. Yeah, we sorry. haven't. We still lost it. He's been berated for that. And yes, it was probably a clumsy comment. But at the same time, none of those players, whether they're the homegrown ones, whether they're the ones that have come in, want to be part of a team that gives up three goals in six minutes. So they will want to be changing it. The ones who don't want to change it won't be playing for Cooper. And Cooper will be trying to work out why it's happened two weeks in a row. So again, give them a bit more time. Let's see what happens. Let's see what the starting 11 looks like in a few games time. And then if the same things are happening, absolutely go to town. But at the same time, going to town on them, it doesn't really have a positive effect anyway. I've got a great question for you in a second, Lisa, but I was going to say, you, you can't imagine Jesse Lingard, who, again, I could say, what's a Jesse Lingard at times? Oh, that's not quite fair. It's in the games, but I think um, he, you know, he undoubtedly went for Forest for various reasons, which have been discussed from Simon Jordan to the bloody, the Pope probably. Um, I, I can't imagine that he's not watching Dean Henderson in that England squad going, that's what I thought if I, you know, I don't think he thought for a minute Forrest going to be top four or whatever, but, you know, puts in a display like at West Ham, sniff of the World Cup. It's not a long season. It's not a long season for a World Cup place, is it? And Dean Henderson's actually probably pulled the genius one going, well, I'm going to get a lot of shots at me potentially. And he's done, you know, really all right. And he's in the England squad. So um, you can't, I, I'd like to think that the mentality is going to be there. If I was Cooper, I'd be going, come on, Jesse, let's just, let's step this up where, you know, where, build it around you. And Morgan Gibbs-White for me, 
is is looking the level like you say lisa there's some players there that you're going do you still look a bit championshipy do you look a bit das second league bundesliga i don't know where you're from or what's going on but you know this is lewis o'brien looks the you know my friend scott said to me the huddersfield fan pre the playoffs he went he will be in the premier league next year whatever he obviously didn't think he'd come to us he said he is that good and he really is that good um and i can't think that that's anything but a cooper signing i just I'd be amazed if it wasn't. Just, just to make sure you, I heard you correctly because you kind of jumped from one to another. You I weren't don't. suggesting for a moment there that Morgan Gibbs White was championship. You were putting him in the Lewis O'Brien category of Premier League quality, right? I think Gibbs White is really quite overrated, actually. And no, I'm joking, of course not. He's absolutely <laughs> wonderful. He's, he, he looked a step above last year, and so did O'Brien. So I'm glad to have him. Uh, Lisa, so let's say your name is Lisa Maranakis, and you are the daughter of a shipping magnate. Now, obviously, you and you, you like your house. The state is in. I'm not going to try and get you. Fucking uh, hell, this is a hospital. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. So, Lisa, how long? Say your, your dad's gone, here you go. You can have control of the club. How long are you waiting before you make your change? <laughs> Jesus. Well, cheers, Reeves. Um I if you were Lisa Marinakis. I think seven games is far too early. Um, but our next two, we have Leicester away, yeah, who are below us and are atrocious. And we have Aston Villa who are struggling. Um, as we've said about the previous two games, we should be looking at picking up points in both of those two games. Mm. If we don't, I fear. There may be trouble ahead. You sound like Lisa Fox. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I know. Um, after that, we have Wolves and Brighton and then Liverpool and Arsenal. And I am very concerned that by the end of October, things could be very, very different. Uh, now I'm going to speak to Daniel Danileus uh, from uh, <laughs> Athens. Uh, what about you, Dan? I, I mean, like, crystal ball time. I mean, what? A lot of this is to do with what we think is very different to what we think might happen because of, I mean, Olympiakos has been very different what's happened there, what we've seen ourselves with managers. Do you expect by New Year's Eve to be able to have pulled a Christmas cracker with um, Steve Cooper? Or do you think it will be some random European manager you've never heard of? Or Jean Dyche? So, so firstly, my wife, genuinely, my wife is in Athens at the moment for a work <laughs> meeting. So I'm not saying anything controversial until she's back on. Is she American a baker? Soil. <laughs> <laughs> um, however, I think whoever loses from the Forest Leicester game is losing the manager. That's probably not the hottest of all hot takes. I think right. Leicester are hanging on at the moment because it's going to cost them too much to sever ties. But I think if they end up losing to Forest, that is bad for them because that'll put them six points adrift at the bottom. And if we lose, we'll be equal bottom and we'll be starting to drift as well. So I think one of those managers will go. I don't know what happens if it's a draw. It probably just. Both go. <laughs> delays the inevitable but yeah. yeah to Lisa's point there's some big games coming up and you look at I've got bet on this year for Forest to be the highest placed team in the Midlands and the Midlands counts as Leicester Villa and Wolves and then us um, and we've got all of them in the next three I think we need to be taking points from those three one because we need to be taking points for those three and two because I don't think Cooper's here if we don't um, but that all said that's a hospital pass for a for a new manager right bottom mm. of the league, near the bottom of the league, and then having Liverpool and Arsenal coming up. I think either way, you, you, you're fucked in that sense. So, um, I, yeah, next three games are key. I can talk about patience and all that stuff. And as I said, the theory is great, but the pragmatic side of it is we need to be getting points from the next three games and is not losing more than one of them. Is it Wolves? I think Brighton, Brighton and Wolves. Oh, it's Wolves at home, Wolves then Brighton. Brighton. Away. No, both the way, both the way. 
Oh yeah, of course it is Wolves away, so it's, it's Villa. Yeah. yeah, so Leicester then fucking hell. Um, so in the next four, mm. we've got one game at home. Okay, so last week we did the the uh, what was very well received as the old you know the praise or grumble as it were, whichever way you round. Well, at the minute, Dan, if your hat was a sunshine hat or a southwester covered in dreary uh, east coast eastern seaboard rain, uh, well, where are you at the minute? Where's your hat, and at what angle are you wearing the jauntiness of it, uh, looking into the next few games after the international break? Um, so some of it comes down to. I was trying to think as to who would be away on international break and who is available to work with, but I think it gives Cooper time to settle on a team. I hope that we've learned from the last two games what our midfield should be looking like. I'm hoping Mangala comes back. I'm hoping Niakate comes back. So Niakate is on international duty. Yeah, for now. So fingers crossed that he comes back in one piece. And Gibbs White injured, apparently. Yeah, Gibbs White has been withdrawn. So there's... There's various there's various connotations, but I think we're starting to work out that there's a team in there, maybe like last year, where you've got all these players, but ultimately your first 11 is head and shoulders above your next few down. Um, and if we can pull that together, I think I'm wearing a flat peak cap that I've bent slightly because my head's a bit too small in the middle. So that's my that's my hat analogy. I don't know what that means, but probably, probably even keeled, which is if we lose to Leicester, I'll probably be um, fairly... <laughs> Fairly is a bad word. I'll, I'll be deeply annoyed and bothered if we lose to Leicester um, because that'll put us in a very bad position. But if we can take five points from our next three or four games, that doesn't sound too optimistic, but at least that starts moving us in the right direction. But maybe five from the next three would be great. Four could take, but we need to we need to get a win at some point. Uh, and if that's not against Leicester, I, I fear for Cooper. And confidence breeds confidence. I mean, the thing I think with Fulham is what, like, I think Natalie said to me, yeah, no, but Fulham are doing well. I went, yeah, but we beat them last year, 1 0 away. <laughs> it's ridiculous in my head. That's why I went. I know, it was what an away day that was. And so it's like with Leicester, Lisa, we're going like we did them 4 1 at home. Um, and they've basically bought no one and we bought a brand new team. So, Lisa, if you are a, uh, I don't know, a happy little chinchilla on the shoulder of a little toddler who loves you, or you're a street rat, gnarling and a mouthful of blood. What kind of rodent are you at the moment regarding forests? That's a nice sliding scale. Wow. Wow. <laughs> I mean, you could just be a pissed off guinea pig. It's up to you. What, yeah, I like that. You have you ever seen a um, quacker? No, what's I that? I have, actually. They're quite cute, yeah. aren't they? Yeah. Is it? Is that, wasn't, that wasn't a direct comparison, Lisa. I was just that slang term. <laughs> Where do you find one? <laughs> Where would you find a quacker? Best sorry to, sorry to jump in. I'll, I'll look one up while you guys are discussing oh, animals. Uh, so what, yeah, what, I, where are you, Sim? I um, I think I agree with Dan t- to some degree, you know, that, that Leicester is a game that, you know, we've, we've spoken about the last two being six pointers or must win or whatever. And we we were not, we didn't do what we, we should have done. Um, and hopefully, can you turn it upside down? That's probably the quacker at the moment. Fucking hell, look at uh, him. <laughs> how cute is the quacker? Google it. How big is that? Little. If look one up though, because if that's big, I do not want it coming at me. Okay, look up a quacker. If I had to spell it down quickly, Q Q U O K K A. Okay, so randomly, if you're wondering why the podcast is called "Buy Me a Quacker," it's because of this. Okay, go on, Lisa. Sorry. I think it needs to be off off your quacker. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, Leicester, we we just need to be better. Um, but I've seen enough from let's say our first 14, 15, and we've spoken about this before, that we have a squad that previously 
we knew that the first 11 kind of picked itself and then there was two or three more and then probably a few that just made up the numbers um and it it, it kind of is almost at that point with this squad now that you would say your first 11 is potentially there um you know who is going to make up most of the bench uh, and of that of that nine that's on the bench you probably could say i i would guarantee him him and him will come on yeah um so in terms of where we're at uh, i was quite positive that we would get points out of september and be sitting a little bit more comfortably than we are now so um I think we've got to kind of take the same opinion in October and we can't do any worse. <laughs> so you're definitely not a quacker because they look quite happy. I'm definitely um, not a quacker. What is that? Is that a size? How big is that man? <laughs> I'm joking. Well, uh, yeah, I, I thought he might be riding that quacker. I couldn't quite yeah. tell. But... I just uh, I just realised as well, this is a, a very special pod because I'm the only person on it who hasn't got blue eyes. Um, interesting. Interesting one for you. Um, so, uh, listen, nobody won the competition because it was Leeds which got called off. And, and I'm guessing no one would have gone for losing home 3-2 to Fulham again. So, uh, the next game will be the Bin Dippers or Festa or whatever you want to call them, desperateforarrival.com. Uh, they will be there. So, what will be the score? We want your predictions uh underneath or we'll do it when we uh, redo the thing and you'll be winning that wonderful prize lisa who is from who's it from again you know are you asking me great british great british great british quackers we are not mocking the company we're very thankful british for the prize I, they, I have now got them in my possession as well thank you to uh, to tony for sending them to me thanks tony um i just need to just have a look so put your score prediction for Leicester away and also put the attendance as well, which would probably be, you know, how many how many clappers will be in there? Do they have clappers at Leicester? I think, I think they, they do, do have, have clappers at Leicester. At GB Outdoor Fires. Thank you very much. The, yep, that's it. So yeah, we're going there and hopefully we keep that pterodactyl quite up front. I love it. There was one picture of uh, Gary Lineker with his kids and Jamie Vardy and someone put, wicked, you bought them a fucking pterodactyl. And I've never been able to get it out of my head that he doesn't look exactly like a pterodactyl. So I mean, other dinosaurs are I have, a lot of respect for Jamie Vardy. I know I might get a beating for that, but I find his presentation, uh, presentation, his, um, cele his celebrations, the presentation of his celebrations in front of away fans to be uh, a different level. I'd like well, to see let's hope he's not celebrating that. in front of the away fans yeah. and we are celebrating a yeah. little bit of a Brennan archery. Yeah, well, no, I'd love that. I'd love to do that. And who'd have thought that someone could have an opinion possibly more hideous than me not liking Brennan? And Dan did. Um, so like, before we end, uh, as we like to do, we'll have our predictions. And I'm going to do a new little thing. I always bring up new things randomly and throw them at the guests and the, and the guys. Dan, score prediction for Leicester and your current favourite Nottingham Forest player. Uh, score prediction, 2-1 Forest. I haven't thought of scorers, but it'll be 2-1 Forest. Okay, about scorers. And cool. favourite player... I'm going to say Dean Henderson. Well, that, well, no, you can say the same thing, Lisa. It's called a bloody, you know, community thing. So Lisa's is also Dean Henderson. Uh, mine's um, Cap Hendo, actually. Oh, you're looking with a hat on. Cap Hendo. Okay. Right, yeah. Cap Hendo. I didn't realise it was, a, it was like a transformer thing. But uh, your score prediction for Leicester? 1-0 to us. Okay, I think we'll lose 1-0. I think Jamie Vardy will score. And he'll piss the away fans off and it will all be Dan's fault. And my current favourite player... <laughs> Well, just uh, just on that, sorry, on the Jamie Vardy thing. So he does he does like celebrations that mock the away. So like the Crystal Palace one was the famous one, right, where he pretended to be a shit eagle or whatever it was. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. When he celebrated in front of him, does he if he scores against us and he scores in that corner, you know, the end where the Forest fans are, does he just run over and look like a tree, or does he do an archery thing? What's what's the Jamie Vardy? 
if celebration that pisses Forest fans off. It's probably was, the archery one, right? That's, yeah, if I was the odious little turd that he is, I would probably do the archer thing. I think that's the route I'd go down to really knock me off. Good piss- job, it's not going to happen. Do you remember when, um, who was it? Uh, it was, you know, there was uh, obviously Robbie Savage and there was Dean Storage, wasn't it? Who played for Derby and Leicester. Mm-hmm. And I think he played for Wolves because he came to Wolves and it was 2-2 draw in about 2001 and he scored at the Trent end and he kicked the corner flag and I fucking lost my shit. I was about 19. I was like, you fucking Derby, fucking Leicester, fucking. I was mental. It somehow really bothered me more that it was an ex-Derby Leicester player. Great, right? Greatest corner flag kicking of all time. Um, Samedo away at Swansea under Sabri Lumucci. Oh, beautiful corner. Yeah, please, under in the comments, please put your favourite corner kick in. And a fact I heard today, Christian Benteke scored more Premier League goals than Eric Cantona. There's one for you. That's how it was out there. What was your uh, score? Sorry, Freebs, I interrupted. What was your prediction? Uh, I went one with Forest, Forest favourite player. I don't think you got to. At the uncapped, moment. uncapped Hendo. So that makes a, a round <laughs> yeah, three, right? It. No, I'm not going with Hendo. My favourite one at the minute is uh, Biancone, uh, mm-hmm. because I like his hair. Uh, so that's it. Yeah, one of those who hasn't really played for us. <laughs> I, really- I, also, I also love a player who has his own graphics done for games. Oh, what's this? And, and Bianconi does that as well. Oh, he does his own graphics for games? For like, well, whether he do- I don't think he does them himself, but some <laughs> people always have, you know, like before a game, they'll have a little graphic with them on it and it'll all been edited and stuff that says, you know, we're playing Grimsby in the cup or whatever because he's right. starting. I'm always a fan of a player that does that. I'm trying to think who we've had that's done that before. Again, one for the comments section, players that used to post themselves before and after games with like montage videos. That's really niche. Um, what's <laughs> Generally, it? Keenan Davis with his chest out. <laughs> yeah, that's true, actually. Keenan Davis uh, did a few. Um, who else? Zinc, maybe oh. Zinc and uh, Jed, but... Jed did some, didn't he? A few, maybe. Yeah. Oh, no, they normally post one when he was preening for his move. Um, who was the... Uh, Lisa's not She's like, I know his mum. Um, I was going to say, if you get a name on the shirt at the minute, though, I always go with Yatesy because it's a bit of a wind-up to the people. Blood's, it boils people's piss, doesn't it, having Yates on your shirt? But also, I just really love him. Lisa, would you... Uh, so, at the minute, you would go with... You couldn't have Hendo. So, who would your outfield player be on your shirt if I was giving you a shirt today and you didn't have them all? That's a really good question. Um, I think I'd have Lob. Would you? You'd have Lewis Lob. O'Brien, of course. I thought you meant Lobby and you said it in a really weird way. Lob. L O B. Dan, you can't have Lewis O'Brien, can you? Um, contractually obliged not to, yeah. <laughs> is it just too much? The stars align too much. There's just too much genetic mutation. Uh, yeah. Lewis O'Brien is wicked, though. Would you go with him, Dan? Um, yeah, I do. I, the thing is with shirt players on shirts, I kind of feel it's that thing, and maybe it's an Americanism whereby. Over here, people tend to either get like the quarterback or yeah. like the wide receiver, or you know the star players that are going to get all the points and and everything else. So I feel you kind of have to go for not necessarily a literal number nine, but you kind of need to go for a striker. Um, Can you tell me his name? Well, yeah, I'm trying to think of one, <laughs> um, but yeah, I don't know, Lyle Taylor maybe. Forest players you've had on your back. There's another one for you. So I had first one was Stan Collymore, and I ripped the name off the bat when he left. So just my dad had put it on a bit rubbish. So the 10 was low anyway. So it looked like it was just a 10 on my ass. Be careful. Uh, be careful asking that question to the people at Twitter in Nottingham. Forest players you've had on your back. <laughs> you, might, you, might get, you might get a different Collymore. answer to the one you expected. Yeah. Especially when the answer is Stan Collymore. I've had Cohen eh? and then randomly on English, uh, Gerard Four. I know, deal with it. Uh, Lisa, have you had any defenders on your back? I have. Who? <laughs> Bizarrely, I had number four. I had, 
number no actually it wasn't my shirt it was charlie's shirt he had fox on the back foxy on the back of his with number four and we were in the in the tbi one time and charlie was telling this story to one of his mates and, and convincing his mate that danny fox was his dad brilliant he should have done his hair and the beard like that, you know, some sort of thing like that. Uh, listen, we better go because we were always going to do a 40 minute one because we were being cheapskates on the old Zoom. But now we have our own Zoom. So let's celebrate that. Also, uh, look out, as I say, I've been asking and some of you, we got back already, we're going to do a documentary. Dan, what was your documentary going to be about? You're going to do one as well, weren't you? What was your theme? Can you remember? Good question. You put me on the spot. So I'll say, I'll say shirts. Why not? Everything I, I do is usually want. about shirts. Lisa was yours running over the ladies of the night. What was yours again? Hey, I got away. I got away from Tottenham unscathed this time. Women did. Can you remember what yours was going to be on? I, I, I think we were going to do something with the with the ladies stuff. So uh, oh, yeah. still going to happen. Still going to happen. Kieran was just going to do one all about half and half scarves. Um, <laughs> anyway, that's it. Has, has, that, has that been aired? I, I, <clears> we talked about that, right? But I don't know if it made it to air or not. What's that not about yet. what we're going to do? Kieran's half and half scarf. Uh oh no no what well, there was the one that he got at Wembley but I'd, and the one yeah that, that, that's the one I meant I wasn't sure whether that went out on a recording or not or whether we yeah. missed that one yeah but that's yeah. where yeah. he's where you find out how much we all listen to the pod when we're not on it um anyway so thank- I, I was on it I was on, that, you one. on that one I was on that one but I thought we hadn't hit the record button not to throw you under the bus as the uh, yeah, producer yeah, but I, I thought that might have been that one but I think it was it, that one. How bad is it when the person who was on it didn't remember what was on it? Uh, if, if people aren't sure, just give Kieran some abuse because he sat in the Huddersfield end and bought a half and a half scarf so that he could support Forrest in some way. But now we're classing that as a collection. <laughs> so if you have any, do uh, let us know and we'll provide a mailing address to get them to him. And I'm glad to say I finally sent off the wonderful uh, bit of artwork, which is heading over to uh, the, the man who won the one that was the... I can't remember. I've written the name on the envelope about five times and bloody forgot to send it. And if you are the person who uh, won our other one, let us know because we've lost your address. We're so organised. Uh, this is why uh, we will uh, we'll always just be your second favourite podcast. Any other comments before we go, anyone? Any other business? I've had um, Majewski on the back of a shirt. Oh, yeah. the player. I was trying to remember who it was. And also, um, just on the similar subject as players on your back, mm-hmm. I play five-a-side football in America. And here, here's one for you that I've not come across before, or maybe others haven't. You know when you're playing football and someone shouts, man on? Mm. Pretty, pretty obvious what that means, right? As in, yeah. there is a man on you or near you, or woman. Over here, for whatever reason, they feel that they need to extend that phrase to man coming hard behind. <laughs> <laughs> Which... I still haven't got used to, and I can't help but chuckle every time it's shouted on the field, saying he's coming hard behind you. And I don't know why. The language isn't that different, that they should find it funny, but still straight faces everywhere. So I think I'm either in the Truman Show or something's been lost in translation. But if anyone American listens to this or anyone's played football in America, um, can you explain to me why that's a thing that people don't laugh at? Hey, I'm as liberal as they come, but I'm hearing the words man coming and I'm hearing that's enough of the call. You know what I mean? I'm not saying that as a way of, well, whatever, you know, at least someone's getting some fun out of the situation. I'm just trying to figure out how many letters <laughs> we'd need for the back of his shirt. And yeah. man on is a lot more simple. Well, exactly. That's true. Yeah. I, do you know what? One of my all time favorites, so I'll just throw this in there, was in 1990, I think it was. I was on holiday in France, where I was about nine. And it was the year that Germany won the World Cup. It was my first sort of major World Cup, I remember. And there was a lot of Germans. It was one of those key camp holidays, you know, where you're in the pre-set up tents. And I, some people will not know how I'm talking about. I think they still do them. Um, 
And we met an Irish family at the Nolans. This is us, shit you not, it's not just a stereotypical. We met the Nolans and it was like whatever. And it was just, it was wonderful. It's England and Ireland, the same group. But there was a bloke who lived sort of around the corner on the campsite, you know, I say lived, who was there for probably two weeks. And he had, I wonder what this is worth now, the t-shirt version of Germany's amazing 1990 kit, the one with the, the flag zigzagging down the front. But on the back, in massive, like, massive marker pen, he'd drawn the number 10 and put Matthias in his own handwriting. <laughs> and to this day, it remains one of my favorite. And I know he had Speedos on and flip-flops. Um, that I wonder where that shirt is now or how much he's ruined something it would have been worth four grand. But yeah, there you go. If you are that person who, imagine if you're randomly listening to a Forest podcast. Yeah, I remember. Das is good. I have to say Das is good. Or you wouldn't know I was doing German. Anyway, that's it for now. Uh, thank you very much for listening to our ramblings. We will be back. Oh, God. It'll be a while yet. There's probably going to be another, you know, possession and uh, more pageantry. Do the Cooper, we'll do the Cooper sacking special next week. And then after that, we'll see where we go. If we do, uh, we'll, we'll make it as fun as we can. Look, we've been through worse. Uh, anyone remember uh, Accrington Stanley in the League Cup? Uh, we can come back you know, and, you know, there's still lots of games left, isn't there, Lisa? There's loads of games left. 93 points still to play for. So thank you to Dan O'Brien and Lisa Maranakis. My name is Ryan. Soon to get abuse online for David Johnson's son abuse. Freebury. Uh, we'll see you next time on New Reds. Hey!